Welcome to Uncovered, the podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton, and on each episode of Uncovered, I'll be joined by the National World reporters who are working to bring information to light and hold those in power accountable. We'll be revealing journalistic work that goes into the team's investigations and highlighting some important stories we think you need to know about but have gone uncovered in the wider media. Today, I'm joined by Imogen Howes, digital reporter, and Ethan Schoen, investigative reporter with National World, to talk about our brand new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak. Hi both, welcome to Uncovered. This week, we see our third Prime Minister appointed in three months after Liz Truss stood down as leader of the Conservative Party last week. Her main rival in that leadership contest was, of course, Rishi Sunak. In that rather drawn-out affair, the former Chancellor secured 42.6% of the Conservative membership vote, compared to Liz Truss's 57%. He may now be very glad the way things worked out, as he now takes up the role of Prime Minister in the face of a hard-to-beat, pretty terrible tenure for Liz Truss. Imogen, not everybody will know a lot about our new Prime Minister. Can you fill us in on his background, please? Yeah, sure. So... Rishi Sunak first became an MP for Richmond in 2015. And since then, he's held kind of a few roles in government. Firstly, he was parliamentary undersecretary in the Ministry of Housing before becoming chief secretary to the Treasury. And then he got his big promotion to become chancellor. So he kind of became even more in the spotlight over the past summer when he competed in his first Tory leadership contest. This isn't his first time trying to get into number 10. While he ultimately lost out to Liz Truss, he's back again. Now the third Prime Minister of 2022 and the first UK Prime Minister of Colour. Sunak did originally receive more support from MPs than Truss did. He got 137 votes to her 113. Do you think this means he may have an easier time in power compared to her? Well, yes, yeah, so he got more support than Truss initially and people see him as more of a popular MP than people saw trust as, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to have an easy ride. A lot of Tory MPs are still big fans of Mm -hmm. Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak was kind of seen as quite instrumental in ousting Boris Johnson because he was one of the first big cabinet members to hand Mm -hmm. in his resignation. So only time really will tell how easy his ride is. Okay. Ethan, he did face a lot of backlash when it emerged he had held a US green card and also, and that was while he was Chancellor, and he also came in for criticism for the fact that his billionaire wife had some tax affairs that were sort of questionable. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, these were a couple of uh, revelations that came out uh, last year during that period when, as Imogen was saying, that there was kind of heightened interest in in Sunak. I mean, it's always been fairly well known that he uh, is, well, he's the richest sitting uh, MP. He is, um, as far as I'm aware, he's the richest MP ever to, to sit in parliament. The bulk of that comes from his kind of, his wife's family's wealth. I mean, Sunak, as in his own right, is a very wealthy individual, was very successful um, in finance and in uh, Silicon Valley. But it's his it's his family's wealth on his on his wife's side, uh, in particular her father's uh, company, from where they derive a lot of their wealth. So, to start with the green card status, that comes kind of from as I've just alluded to his time in the US. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, a green card is is well, it's known as kind of. Um, it's a permanent resident card, so it's for people who don't want to become citizens of the US um, at that time, um, but want to register themselves as as basically living in the country. 
permanently. So it grants the right to live and work there permanently. And it would also mean that you would pay tax there on on kind of certain income. It's not really a way that you would create kind of, you know, what we might call like favorable tax conditions for yourself as an individual. Um, It's not a way to particularly kind of get around paying anything or, or, or things like that. The issue I think with it at the time was that, well, aside from the fact that the kind of guidance around green cards from the from the US point of view is that members of a foreign government um shouldn't mm-hmm. have them or shouldn't shouldn't really be kind of be maintaining them. Beyond that, I think it was taken by some people as a suggestion that given that it implies an interest or a willingness to become a, a full kind of citizen mm-hmm. at some point down the line, I think it was taken by many that Sunak was uh, not committed to mm-hmm. life in the UK long term, perhaps. Yep. Um, which I guess raises questions about him not having so much of a stake in if things uh, go wrong, which I guess you would want to think that the person in charge of the nation's finances has um, at least as much of an interest in the rest of us as uh, in things kind of ticking along nicely. Mm. The other scandal, if you wanted to call it that, related to his wife's uh, tax arrangements. So she was a Mm -hmm. non-dom, which is basically for... I mean, it's primarily for the purposes of tax, but it, it it basically means that you are, despite living in the UK, that you are not kind of registered as that being your long term home. I guess is mm-hmm. is one way of terming it. So they they're declaring essentially that permanently speaking that they live somewhere outside of the UK. Um, as I mentioned before, her her family, her father, runs a company called Infosys, which is a kind of um, huge IT firm mm-hmm. um they are kind of as a family they are um, i believe multi-billionaires certainly billionaires as an individual she own, owns shares worth around 700 million pounds in that company so i mean the the upshot essentially of her non-dom status was that she would on so say um dividend received of maybe 11.6 million um a couple of years back which is what she would have earned from her stake mm-hmm. in the company um she would have probably avoided paying around two million pounds in in tax in the uk mm-hmm. she would have been liable to pay tax in india and perhaps if there are other places internationally where she um earns money uh but her status in here meant and it's worth mentioning that's not that's not illegal non-dom status is a is a kind of legitimate mm-hmm. thing um that as long as you can demonstrate that you have say property abroad or interest in another country that it's entirely legitimate yeah, it's it's so it's probably worth saying that in both cases with the green card and with his wife's tax affairs, both are, are certainly at this point kind of resolved issues. Whether there are so, still some questions about what they meant is, is another matter. But yeah, the green card he gave back prior to his first uh, official visit to the US as chancellor, I think, upon receiving some advice, and his wife made the decision to kind of uh, alter her tax affairs. Basically, when all this came out, I think she said at the time that she didn't want it to be a distraction from her you know, from 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 Sunak's role uh, as chancellor. And I think Sunak himself kind of said that while everything she was doing was technically legal, that there had been a feeling that it, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't kind of right, morally speaking, let's say, mm-hmm. um, for the chancellor's family mm-hmm. to benefit mm-hmm. from um, preferential tax arrangements, particularly at a time when taxes were going up for, mm-hmm. for most okay. households. So it didn't look great, basically. So Imogen... Um, Rishi Sunak has been pretty tight-lipped since Truss's resignation last week. We can only assume that the policies he supported in his campaign for leadership against her 
are those he will now look to implement. Can you take us through the more significant ones? Yeah, so we've kind of got, I guess, some of the key ones at the moment, given the financial chaos that we've seen recently at his kind of views on tax and spending. So over the summer, he presented himself as quite a traditional low tax Tory. Um, He pledged to drop the bottom rate of income tax from 20% to 16%, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was also very keen to insist that he would implement any changes like very carefully and kind Mm -hmm. of quite heavily criticised his opponents like Liz Truss, who were talking about slashing taxes immediately. So that means that any kind of, of his proposed tax cuts probably not happen for kind of quite a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he kind of said that this was to ensure that cuts were funded by growth rather than borrowing. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also kind of in the past when he was chancellor, been responsible for some tax rises, such as the um, planned increase to corporation tax, which Liz Truss reversed and then had to U-turn on, um, and the 1.25 percentage point rise in national insurance contribution. Another policy that Liz Truss ditched, so we'll see whether... Sunak kind of versus that or not. I think kind of in terms of spending, many are saying that he'll probably be quite tight. He did promise over the summer to increase cost of living payments. Mm -hmm. So that was a promised increase from what Boris Johnson's administration had kind of given out at that point. Um, And he kind of spoke about more targeted payments for people on low incomes and pensioners. But there's also kind of that slightly infamous viral video um, which was released of him where he complained of funding being um, I think the quote was like shoved into deprived urban areas so mm-hmm. again it's kind of a not entirely sure he's going to stand on all of that until he comes out and makes a statement. I guess other issues are kind of like net zero and he said that he's committed to the 2050 target that the Tories laid mm-hmm. out in their 2019 manifesto In terms of immigration, he's been quite a vocal supporter of the government's very controversial Rwanda asylum plan. And then in terms of the NHS, again, when he was chancellor, he introduced that national insurance increase as a way of funding increased health spending and and as a way to help pay for clearing of backlogs in the NHS. So again, it's Mm going to be interesting to see whether he reverses, reverses the fact that Liz Truss scrapped that tax increase. So... We're waiting for some more confirmation from him, basically. Yeah, I feel like he can take his time in these couple of days, Ken. Yeah. Well, I'm here now. Things can't get any worse. Okay, so finally, Ethan, we have a very new Chancellor in Jeremy Hunt and a very new Home Secretary in Grant Sheps. Are they likely to stay? And who else may be filling those cabinet seats, do you think? I mean, I think a lot of people, um, not least civil servants, who've had to deal with a lot of churn, um, particularly in some of the, the big government departments, but really right across the board in the last few years, I suppose, more generally, but, but particularly in this last like six months, we'll be really hoping that kind of without even weighing up the pros and cons of, of individual ministers as, you know, as their skill sets relate to their post, I think that people were just hoping for some continuity here mm-hmm. because obviously mm-hmm. um, Boris Johnson, prior to his resignation, saw a kind of mass walkout of ministers ranging from kind of secretary of state level down to parliamentary undersecretaries. Then we had a period where he had to refill some of those posts while he remained in office, Mm -hmm. while the conservative leadership election could take place. And then once Liz Truss was elected, she kind of reshuffled again and and, and 
um, moved a lot of those ministers around and, and some left government and some new ministers joined government. So if you imagine every time that happens and a minister comes into a new role, mm-hmm. um, civil servants have to kind of take a lot of time to catch them up on the, the specifics of their brief. Um, it also may mean that, you know, different ministers have different policy um, priorities and certain projects get kind of pushed to the wayside while others yeah. try and get rushed through. <laughs> I'm slightly kind of talking around the question, to be honest, because Rishi Sunak has said very little about what's going to happen to his top team. Mm. Um, partly that will be because inevitably in the uh, negotiations that go on to try and secure the backing of different MPs, there will be promises being made um, to, to certain people about certain jobs mm. that they will be given um, should they kind of offer their support. Mm. I think what's probably likely to happen based on what we know about Rishi Sunak um, and what we know about the way he has kind of found himself now to be back in power is the party itself is kind of mostly crying out for a period of unity. Um, I think in the hope that Mm. they will be able to avoid an imminent general election. Um, What that looks like in terms of staffing a cabinet probably means drawing from a slightly wider base of the party and and the MPs in parliament and not Mm -hmm. basing it on kind of factional terms. In the same way that Trust kind of looked outside of what might be her natural wing of the party in appointing Jeremy Hunt Mm -hmm. to try and shore up support from Mm -hmm. other sides. I I would think that there may be some olive branches being kind of reached out to politicians who Mm -hmm. perhaps A, were and have been quite supportive of Boris Johnson prior to now and and may well have been expected to row in behind him had he stood. And there may even be some who who kind of backed trust, um, who, who might find their way into government or be staying in government. But I think it's going to be very hard to avoid that churn that we that we just talked about, um, just yep. because inevitably he will have his own priorities and his own thoughts on, on who should be in the top roles. Um, so, yeah, I want to watch that. Uh, and worth saying that there are kind of severance payouts for those MPs who, um, who, who don't manage to keep hold of their ministerial positions um, equal to a quarter of their annual salary. Um, regardless of whether they were actually in the job that long. So, yeah, silver linings for those who don't maintain their jobs. Tough at the top, they say. Well, who knows when we might be back here talking again about another new Prime Minister. Thank you for both joining me today. You can find a series of articles around the appointment of the new Prime Minister as well as video content on nationalworld.com. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter. <laughs>